This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Get ready for the new Dan Fogler 4D Experience podcast. You will enjoy yourself. Alright, we're... Hey, where's the there it is? Welcome to the Dan Fogler 40 Experience Podcast. Oh my goodness. Finally. Yeah, we're here with Juno Temple. Actually, no, you know, I'm still trying to... People were just like, yeah, I'll be on your podcast. And it's like nine years later, they're just like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna... I'll get on your podcast. But we've had some amazing people on the show. And you are extremely amazing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. And I, I <laughs> <laughs> depends on who your odds game, but uh... Uh, oh, I, well, I don't know about that. Oh, I just my my from my experience, everybody loves you. Your energy is just like you emanate adorableness. What I see uh, on set, you know, whenever when you arrive, everyone's just like you know, you know, and there's hugs and and yeah. You make everybody feel comfy, relaxed, and that's I, like the best place you want to be when you're acting. I love my job or our job, like what we do. I love it so much, sometimes to the extent that it could potentially be problematic. Um, How so? Because sometimes I find real life hard. I, I really love the atmosphere of being on a set, of being... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply able to sort of time travel and um, also have this extraordinary experience of getting to know people on a level that I, I, I don't think many other work environments offer, where it's like this kind of honesty that happens very fast and, you know, it's a safe place because people have, you know, been a part of this mad, beautiful tragedy of a business and they know that there's a kind of honor code of you can speak your truth and it doesn't have to go anywhere. So you can kind of let your freak flag fly or you can um, talk about things that you maybe wouldn't in your sort of everyday life. And I found in the, in the past in my real life, 
sometimes I look for that extreme honesty and openness and people are like, whoa, dude, back off. <laughs> and, and I find that a really kind of extraordinary uh, pleasure and honor to be around that. And, and I think um, it's kind of like going to the University of Humanity because of that. You know, you learn so mm. much so quickly about all different types of people. And then on top of that, you're all playing all different types of people. You're putting on the shoes of these different creatures and you're helping each other because acting is all about reacting. So for me, I think creating a, a friendship that's a space that's comfortable means that we're going to also be better at our jobs together, you know, because we're going to feel like, what's well, okay if I fuck up because I've got, <laughs> sounds like one of us is peeing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's just Dan's hot tub. <laughs> We're near it. Um, We're outside in beautiful California. Yeah, it's very sunny. Um, I would think that you would just be like fucking, like after the the whole uh, Emmys press circuit, that you would just be like just fucking like sick of talking about yourself. And but am I and I was like, yeah, it's gonna be a while before she gets on this podcast. But I think it's about not always talking about yourself, right? Well, it's not you know talking about what know, we do and then that. And, yeah, yeah, but I think there's a I have a real respect for that too. Actually, I don't know. I I I really try to be deeply passionate about every role I play. I I remember at a young age, my dad saying to me that you know if you don't do something with passion, like if you're not passionate about that project, it will show in your performance because you'll be faking it. And acting isn't about faking it. It's not about lying at all. It's about convincing yourself and other people that you're in an alternate reality. So ultimately we're allowing ourselves to be mad. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's pretty exquisite. Because of this fine line between madness and genius. <laughs> I think. Can I make a prediction? Mm. I think that you're going to get nominated again for the second season of Ted Lasso. Interesting. Yeah, the whole award thing is like, it's an interesting thing. Because I think in itself, it's such a, a beautiful moment to get a nomination but then the actual idea of winning it is is a little overwhelming to me because then it's like, oh, I, I'd rather somebody else won it. I don't know. It feels like a weird... Mm. And the, I think the one award I would love to get nominated for before I die is the SAG Awards because that feels like Your the peers, people that yeah. inspired me to do this or the people that hopefully I'm inspiring to do whatever, you know, the people that we are from the same planet from they that they get to vote for that and that I think would be the coolest thing ever but I don't know if it happens again or not I found it all a bit nerve-wracking well <laughs> I was kind of it was interesting too because obviously this year it was due to the fucked up world we're living in it was in the, a parking lot somewhere just as you say that the sprinklers are fucked up while we're living in full force and aliens are landing fuck man the um 
We knew it was in a parking lot. It was in a parking lot. Yeah, the Emmys were at, they were in a parking lot under a big tent, so they were outdoors. And so we were all at little tables and we were getting like these little food boxes, which actually had very good chocolate in them. And I am a smoker and I dipped out for a cigarette <laughs> and then was running late. But I was also waiting for Hannah, who plays Rebecca on the show and who is one of the most brilliant, brave and beautiful humans I've ever encountered in my life. And so I wanted to wait for her and we ended up running a bit late. So we missed like the whole kind of photo bit of the red carpet at the beginning, which I was actually really grateful for. <laughs> I'm really bad at that stuff. I, I get really nervous and kind of, whenever I do photo shoots, I normally, the feedback I get is, could you look a little less frightened? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I'm better at moving picture, like much better. But, uh, you know, we got rushed in and sat down and our category was the first up. So like we sat down. I got to eat a chocolate and she had a sip of a glass of champagne. And then there was this extraordinary moment where she won. And I was like, oh my God, because we had no time to even like, <sighs> I, yeah, I was making jokes with her being like, thank God you didn't have to let out a panic fall or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gave such a beautiful speech. And I think like, it was such a wild, wild evening in the sense that Ted Lasso did so well, you know, and, and just watching, these brilliant people that you've worked also because Ted Lasso is actually the first time I've ever gone back to playing a character I've never done that before um I was really heartbroken I was on the show called Vinyl and I played a character in it called Jamie Vine and I would have played her for eternity I loved her that was my introduction to you oh really was Vinyl yeah I thought you were the best part of the show really yeah I I I mean I like Bobby you know, I thought he was good, but I, I thought he really stuck out. That The music of that time period. Yeah. And I know that with the band, the Nasty Bits, they were a little progressive because that kind of punk sound wasn't really happening until like 78, 77, 78. So they were a little early at the same time. Like that whole, time, you know, going to CBGBs and being able to see fucking bands that I wish I could have seen live was a place that I wanted to exist forever, really. And I remember in season two, there was going to be a whole exciting journey for my character where she was going to sign Big Star and then the band breaks up and then she was going to sign Patti Smith. But then she announces at this gig at CBGB's that she's actually going to sign with somebody else. And finally, she was going to sign The Runaways, but like a kind of, I think, a more sort of made up version of The Runaways and start having a love affair with their manager. And then their manager was going to end up really fucking up. And on the night of her kind of big show of this fucking amazing, young, you know, brilliant punk girl band, go backstage and find the fucking manager raping one of the girls while they're smacked out on heroin. And she has this moment of like, what do I do? Like, I have to be a noble person and I need to report this, but then everything's going to go tits up. And so that was going to be this, I was going to, I was going to get to be the, you know, the punk A&R girl, which I was devastated was taken away from me. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be, in, I, I had really good idea. There was going to be a whole Son of Sam storyline. Oh. And do you remember the woman who plays the publicist in the first season? She's got, the character was called Andrea. She was so great in the show and she was going to be the first victim of Son of Sam. And Bobby was going to do a hip hop label after he came out of prison. He was going to go to prison. And then Jimmy was going to become kind of like a Billy Idol type character. They had the, such a great idea. And I think 
the heartbreak of that show because we were picked up for a second season. It was all guns blazing. Yeah, whatever. We all found out online. Nobody was notified, including Marty. What? Mm-hmm. What? What? What happened? I don't know. I I don't know. I. Huh. I don't know, but I think that maybe some of the things that didn't play as well as as maybe necessary in the first season because it was a kind of mixture of mobster and music and i feel like people kind of wanted it to be more music oriented Mm. but i don't know i fuck me had such an amazing time doing that job i mean first and foremost i got to work with martin scorsese (laughs) and i will treasure every second i got to spend with that man because he was mind-blowing how so what kind of direction like what was the best direction everything's very intimate yeah yeah but one piece of direction that really so okay firstly when you actually are shooting with him and you do you know you finish take and he wants to give notes he comes up to you Mm -hmm. and without asking nothing being said at all it's like this just code of respect i guess everybody in the room you know, any kind of grit, gaffer, sound, whoever it is, other actors, just silence happens. And he comes over and still he doesn't raise his voice. He comes over and just whispers a piece of direction to you. And then he goes back out and everyone goes back to what they were doing. Wow. Which I think that's kind of an amazing thing to witness. Everyone's, everyone's just like, you know what, let's let him do it. Da, da, da. And yeah, yeah. because like I said, it was not asked for. It's not like he's at all asking for anything actually. Mm. And it, but his direction is very personal. But a piece that really stood out to me was in the pilot. My character went to go and see the Nasty Bits play. And uh, I remember that I had such an amazing makeup artist on that job. She's called Nikki Liederman. She's just <coughs> fucking brilliant. Her, every time she did my eyes, we would take pictures of my eyes closed because people wouldn't necessarily see it. But if I blinked, I'd have like a peacock feather on my eyes or like she just created works of art on faces and still does. She's she's amazing, amazing woman. Um, but I had these very cat-like eyes and I'm watching this gig being like, fuck yeah, I found something good. And he came over to me in this sea of people, you know, it's this packed fucking punk gig. And oh, what year were we in? Like 71 at that point, I think. Which by the way, The Idiot, that album, Iggy Pop, came out in 69. I just think that's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's one of my favorite albums ever and it was, but I was watching the band and he just said, you're an A&R agent. Notice how the crowd is reacting because mm-hmm. that's what's gonna sell a band to you. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. I didn't even think about that. It's not about m- my feeling towards the band. It's about the energy in a room And then on top of that, you've got the birth of punk happening. And when you think about what punk rock did for a generation, it was like this visceral kind of, I don't know, revolution that came from inside all of these young people that had felt kind of repression of their parents going through their own repression. And and so it was this taking in a crowd reacting to that, I think was such a a cool thing to be a part of. And I got to, uh, I had a crazy, <laughs> this was a good thing. On on the pilot, I earned 25. So I got to shoot a sex scene with Mick Jagger's son. 
directed by Martin Scorsese, turning 25, and I had to be completely butt naked because there was a certain camera angle where Marty quietly came over and was like, I'm afraid you can't wear a privacy patch. And I was like, you know what? I'll never forget my 25th birthday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've actually never felt more comfortable in a sex scene in my entire life. It was the most kind of un... I don't, I mean, they're not normally, I actually normally quite enjoy them. You get to like fake fuck a lot of really hot people. <laughs> um, but, but, but it was one that just didn't feel like it was a to-do at all. It was like it... I might as well have been Barbie. I didn't have anybody, but you know, and in between takes, Marty had found this role of Super 8 film that he'd shot when he was like 12. I was like, what did you show me? And so I'm just sitting next to him and just looking at these strips of film and then we'd go back. And that was what was really amazing about working with him is you've got this tour de force of a human who has, you know, I think inspired, I, I, personally would say probably everyone in in this industry from one of his films and he is such a fanboy he is such a fan of movies of music of art of color of light of and I think that's why he's so brilliant is that he's not ever just thinking about his work he is so interested about everything else going on, whether it's past, present or future. And I think I think that's what keeps people really good at what they do. They're not just interesting, they're also interested. I think that you should have your own podcast where you <laughs> do your like present your own music. Like we like music that you love and talk about it and have people on and I what do you think about that? I mean, I'd love to do it, but I feel I've, I'd love to do that. I think, like, <laughs> well, also, because I think there's a lot of music I still need to kind of, I, I feel like I need to learn about, you know, because I, I grew up in a household of, of, I mean, the religion was punk rock in my household. My dad is a true punk rocker through and through. I grew up on the Sex Pistols, and uh, whenever I would have to go to a school, or not have to, but we'd go to, like, school dances or whatever, and I'd get dressed up, my dad would play dedicated follower of fashion by the kink so I could kind of walk mm. my walk and test out my outfits and <laughs> my dad's a big big kink so your family I guess has been affecting my life since I'm a teenager because like my my favorite music video growing up or the one that really like hit me was uh Tom Petty Integrate Wide Open uh Johnny Depp jumps on the fucking camera on the crane. That's my dad. Yeah, Actually operating dad. the camera. He's on the crane. When yeah. he did that, I was like, whoa. I was like, you could do that? It was such an iconic moment. Never seen it before. Never saw it after. And then just, you know, there's a lot about that video that was a shockwave, a, a ripple in my, uh, you know, well, he, pop culture consciousness. He kind of started a movement of making mini movies out of music videos, right? Of telling stories like that where they weren't just visuals. You could actually tell full-blown stories with a music video. And I think, I mean... Julian you, Temple. Julian Temple. Everyone Papa should look Bear. Yeah, he's a magic man. I mean, nobody 
his eyes, his camera lens is like extraordinary. He has his ability to find beauty everywhere. Whether, and I remember this time recently, it was when I was in England shooting season two of Ted Lasso, late for a train with him. And he'd seen this dappled light on this old church that was this kind of burnt orange brick. And we had to stop and look at it. And I remember being so like, oh, I'm gonna miss this fucking train. And then him actually showing me what he'd found and being like, who cares if you miss the fucking train? <laughs> Little things like that, that he has this ability to capture. Yeah, he's one, he's one of the truest artists I've ever met in my life. And, and I think he is, I definitely get this from him. Like he cannot sit still. He has to be being creative. Always, always. Keele, did I say that right? Keely. Keely. Keely Jones. I like how freaking uh, uh, Tart says your name. That what actually? Keely. Keely. He's from Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. I love that. Keely. Um. So I predict you're gonna get nominated. I predict you're gonna win. That's just from my mouth to God's ears. Because (sighs) I just finished um the so just get ready for that. <laughs> uh, I saw season two, and you're uh, there's just something really special about Keila, <laughs> and I and I think they you know they they recognize that about you, and they wrote it that way, where everyone's just like infatuated with Keila, right? And the, the whole freaking the whole season, and and then you come out totally like beautiful, vulnerable scenes, and uh, opening up to uh, Roy, beautiful stuff. Okay, so for me, a show, every episode it has to have like, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I'm like, how, how is this, how do I categorize this as a great fucking show? Yeah. It's got to make me laugh. I got to love the characters. And it's got to, I got to cry, you know, at least once an episode. <laughs> and, and that's Ted Lasso. Like, Ted Lasso delivers that. Yeah. And a lot of the big emotional moments are you season would you say that wow i i am surprised you say that really yeah i mean i guess i mean obviously there's ted there's ted he has his going through a lot and rebecca's going through a lot and they've kind of got their duality going on but what's surprising is that you get very deep into your character in this season yes and what is also interesting about see how fragile she is yes and how nervous she is to be taken seriously Right? Because she hasn't taken herself seriously before, really. And I think it's interesting because also me and Brett, who plays Roy, can so brilliantly. We're not doing that. You're not with the courtship. The courtship has been done and it's not coming to an end per se. So you're just existing in a relationship and you're playing out what it is to be in a relationship. And relationships are fucking hard. Doesn't mean they're not amazing. But they're hard. And I think that it was really cool this season to get to show kind of what that means, the to see what it is to live in a relationship with somebody and the ups and downs of that and also how important communicating is. And what I think was interesting also after doing both seasons now is that we haven't really seen a moment. And I, I'm interested. I still don't know entirely what, what's happening in season three for, for Keeley. So... But I'm interested to see if, she, because she's very there for everybody, 
And it'll be interesting to see if she needs a moment where she really needs somebody to be there for her. And mm. I know Rebecca is there for her in spades always and is, you know, this extraordinary mentor and best friend to her. But I think I'm interested to, I'm interested to see how people in Keeley's universe would react if she really needs help, you know? Mm. Cause she's about to go off on her own and and i wonder what that's going to be like for her but i think it's yeah it's been a wild ride the ted lasso thing because it's suddenly it was like whoa this is a fucking hit <laughs> and i've never I, I mean have you experienced that kind of thing where suddenly it happens like boom uh, not in that way no not in the ted lasso way no. it's like a yeah. Where people are just like... Also, because the first season had been out for a little while. Yeah. And the release of the second season just felt like it was huh. kind of like, ba-ba-bam. It was kind of like, whoa. Huh. Everyone was talking about it. That's all I knew. And they were like, you got to watch the show. You got to gotta watch the show. Yeah, it is It is good with the way I think it's really... The writing is genius in the sense that the minute it's about to get too corny, it turns a corner. And the minute it's about to get too funny, it turns a corner. And the minute it's about to get too serious, it turns a corner. And it doesn't ever quite <coughs> go too far in one direction. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot of notes for that show at all, man. <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah. it's And it's fun to play. It's fun to be around all those people. And the whole group of boys that are on the football team are so great. And I thought like it was such a great thing in the episode, the Christmas episode, to see all of them at Higgins's house mm. and see them all kind of just a few are gonna come over yeah. and, and then they all show up. And they up. will show up when they're playing games. <laughs> and it's a tradition. And just having a great time. Love that. That's great. Yeah, I like that. Are the, what are her, what did her biscuits taste like? Have you tasted them? The so cookies. they were notoriously fucking awful in the first season, oh, and no. she really was like. Are you guys crazy? I, that, she has to eat one every fucking second. Literally. And not only that, she angles. made a choice that, like, it's about panic eating, too, because they become her, like, oh panic crutch, right? right. And, um, but she complained a lot. Oh, she depressed for the first season. Bet, yeah. And they did get better Good. second season. Well, you gotta get delicious cookies. Well, then they sent them out for, like, I don't know, I don't know, there was a press thing and we got believe biscuits and they were the Ted Lasso biscuits and they were delightful and she also so impressed this is not what I eat on camera <laughs> um, but yeah no originally they were really really bad but did I ever eat them yeah did you ever have I mean just took a bite off camera yeah I took a bite but not until season two actually so it only went to and were, it was pretty good it was pretty good yeah I mean I also you know spend my life not eating that kind of stuff so, that, so it probably even if it tasted like cardboard I'd be like this tastes like fucking heaven no but I think about that every time I'm like man she's those cookies better be fucking good because she's eating them every scene that's how good of an actress she is yeah Jesus she's amazing mm-hmm. yeah she is I want me, I want her to just just I don't know just smack me around just foot, lift me over her head and just break me in half over her knee mm-hmm, we do yeah I had this one day where I uh, I don't know what happened but i thank god she's one of my best friends now because this was in season two she's wearing these trousers mm-hmm. and her bottom looked so amazing and i was walking behind her and i didn't you know when you're just like yeah. words are about to come out and i was sit. that wait that's on the show right oh where i hit on her all the time oh yeah no, no, but no th- there's this isn't there a line like 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 oh my god your butt is amazing <laughs> probably but this one was not on camera because <laughs> okay. 
I just said, I want to dive into your bottom. <laughs> yeah. And then I panicked and was like, I'm sorry, that was really weird. <laughs> and she was like, I need that as a fucking t-shirt. That yeah, was brilliant. Yeah. But she, that's what I, I love. She's so, she's so beautiful. Like she reminds me of Jane Mansfield in real life. But then she's such a goofball and she's so not sitting there being aware of her beauty. She just works her fucking ass off and she is so aware of everything that's going on. And yeah, she's she's a really, 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 really special woman. But you're, you're like rock and roll honesty is extremely disarming from like the second you, you meet you. Um, you're just like, I like this girl, you know, at least, that, you know. Oh, is me as a person or as Keely? You. Okay, I like that. But that comes through as Keely. I mean, I don't Cause really. Because that was off camera. Yeah. That was you. I don't really have, I don't really know how <laughs> not to be honest, I guess. Yeah, that's fucking great. Yeah. I mean, makes... you're going to say, you're going to say some wild things, <laughs> but it's so endearing. You know? <laughs> that's like, you know, it's like what we're thinking. You want, it's like, uh. You know, you're there's a balance of of super ego id, uh, ego and id, and some of us are more id than you know super ego, and I'm in that category. I'll say some crazy. Yeah, shit. I'm definitely an id person. My mom just taught me about that at Christmas. My, oh yeah. About id and ego. Yeah, I don't have like I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a huge ego. I I kind of feel like if you know things don't work out, they don't work out. Who gives a shit, right? Life's too short to overthink it. Super ego is the fucking editor, the one that's just like mm, maybe wouldn't say that in public. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have that much sometimes. Also, don't you find that you just like then you leave any situation, whether it's five minutes or whether it's five hours, and you feel like whoa, I just like swallowed somebody else's universe for a bit. That was tight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it's copacetic with the improvisation. You know? Yeah. Well, you're really great at improv. Yes, you are. Come on. I'm okay. You're great at it. It's crazy to improvise as, like, Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> like, you try that, pal. You know, say what you think yeah, he would say. Yeah, You've been being... I mean, I just think... What a job we've been doing. I know. I keep having these pinch myself moments. Me like, too. What the fuck? Did we actually do that? Yeah, it's wild, right? It's wild. It's such a blur, and I haven't seen a guy... This is, like really the first thing where I'm just trusting it I haven't seen do you watch playback and stuff I need to because I I I got my bones doing this in comedy yeah they want you to look at it and also I'm sure you want to test like people I know do watch playback oh come from comedy world because they want to see if they find it funny exactly you want to see if you're hitting your fucking mark you want to say yeah because comedy is so about timing isn't it yeah it's about timing and it's also just like it's also technical you'll see something and you're like oh Okay, I'm gonna put my arm down. You know, right? <laughs> I it, mean, it I looks better. When I got cast in Ted Lasso, I literally Jason texted me out of the blue. Yeah. I've been back in the UK. I've been back in LA from shooting this show called uh, Little Birds, which was this incredible experience too, which was all inspired by an Is Nin short story. So I literally spent like oh. six months playing this repressed girl in the 1950s who was like on diet pills and Valium at the same time and wants to fuck her dad and like just was like <laughs> got back to LA <laughs> and before my luggage had even made it back uh I get text from Jason saying like yo yo 
Jason here, swoop your number, curious if you want to read this pilot. I have, and I genuinely thought it was a mistake. I was like, oh no, he thinks I'm a different actress because I am not known for comedy. Like you need a lesbian werewolf, you need so like a- funny. I feel like I'm an idiot. You need a lesbian werewolf. Hire me. I've played a lesbian werewolf. I, I saw that. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. That was one of the epic moments in my life where I had to masturbate and kick and werewolf leg out and knock over the bedside table. Wow. <laughs> Do you go full werewolf in this movie? No, it's like in a, it's like the idea of falling in love with somebody so deeply that you like want to eat them. Ah. And it's, uh, yeah, and I got to do it with Riley Keough, so it was pretty easy to imagine that. She's so beautiful and delightful. Yeah, I, yeah. So lesbian werewolf I've done, or like, <laughs> okay. you know. What do you think about you having fun playing Betty? Oh my God, her? yeah, and it's a challenge. Because it's, I was talking about it with a friend recently of like, she is a strong, ballsy, but in a kind of, she's tough. She's a tough cookie. And that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. Vulnerability, like I said, I get told in photo shoots, look less frightened. Do you know what I mean? I'm like a walking vulnerable child really. But so the kind of toughness, the, the, the innate ability to not, be vulnerable in situations where I would definitely read vulnerability. I've really been so grateful when the directors that we've gotten to work with have reminded me at certain moments of beats of like, no, no, don't let her get emotional here. This isn't, she's not gonna show it. Keep it down, keep it down. And I'm like, oh yeah, interesting, cool. Or there was a great- um, I wish they would say that to me. <laughs> Well, you're nailing it, but I, I, I mean, I don't know, spoiler alert or whatever, but there was the scene. Uh, this will come out like around when something when later. happens. Yeah, so there's the ruddy new office. So I'm not giving too much away. Do you know what I mean? Okay. The new, you know what I mean? With the new office beat, sure. which is a moment of uh, gratitude or whatever for like deep gratitude from Betty. Mm. and kind of yeah an overwhelming kindness that I think she doesn't see coming <laughs> and Adam came over to me after we'd done one or two takes and he said try being less of, have less of a girlish reaction have more of a womanly gratitude and I just looked at him and genuinely said I don't know what that means <laughs> and he went okay I was like and I don't mean to be silly but I just I don't know if I've ever had womanly gratitude in my life mm. So, um, let's see what happens. And he was like, great. And I thought it was a really interesting note of direction. And it was, it really changed the scene. It was really interesting. Mm. And whether it was a, a woman's gratitude, <laughs> I don't know, but it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, I went home and I thought about that for a while. I was like, huh, grown up gratitude. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I'm having a truly spectacular time playing Betty. I'm going to be sad when this one's over, actually. Yeah, me too. I'm getting nostalgic. Yeah. I mean, it's like all of the aspects of it, you know, going back to the 70s. I just fucking love that time era. 
so oh, much. Yeah, me too. Being at the Paramount Studios, which to me has always been the most glamorous studios of all of them. When you drive past it, it looks so beautiful and it feels like these kind of golden walls, you know? So cool. And then... And New York streets. Or it With the Hollywood sign in the background. It's like the whole thing is a fucking trip. And then shooting scenes and then you, you that you've, you know, been shooting all day and then you suddenly look up and you're like, oh, there's the fucking Godfather set. What? I didn't even pay attention to that yet. And you're like, I'm learning about how hard it was to get the Godfather made. Yeah. That blows my mind. It blows my mind that this film that was like made history and changed the way that fucking, you know, mob movies are made because it wasn't a mob movie. It was a movie about, about family, about what people do for their families. They just happen to have, you know, different families to most people. <laughs> and I think that... Oh man, I remember being, I was probably, I think I was like 14 or something when my dad showed me The Godfather. And uh, the moment when Sonny gets, I like still have a bit of a like traumatic feel when I think about that. (laughs) That is so brutal, that moment. You know, there was, you know, the story behind that, right? What do you mean? Where they were going to fucking fire Francis. And they'd be because they were like, this guy doesn't know how to do action. <laughs> and then, and they had on his ass an action director just like behind the curtain, just waiting for him to fail. So Francis was just like, oh, you, you want action scenes? Bam. He does the most iconic fucking action scene ever in the restaurant mm-hmm. where he, when Michael blows mm-hmm. McCluskey and yeah. the, their heads off. And then he fucking uh, ensalazes his head off. And then that scene... So everyone's on that kick. We're not. We we love Francis. We don't want to let him go. Especially James Conn with his buddy was just so more squibs. Put more squibs on me, right? And then and then Conn is going out. He's like, this is a lot of squibs on me. <laughs> he's like, fuck it. It was all. Everyone was like, for the love of the game. That's how it was back then. It was like, I don't care. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna. I want to see what it feels like to actually get shot a million times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I remember the stance of the dudes that are shooting him. Oh. The stance that they take of it's just like it's a piece of meat. Yeah. Absolutely zero emotion. And you see what's happened to before to get Sonny right there. And then these guys just, it's like a meaningless fucking entity. And I just remember. Ooh. Yeah, thinking that was so fucking powerful. And especially what he's leaving to go do. And you're just like. And that's the genius behind The Godfather, isn't it? Is the amount of empathy you have for the, this family that you th- would expect to have no empathy for. I was saying to you the other day on set uh, that I loved, I loved the, the relationship arc that Francis and Betty have. Because the first time we see you, you're, you're like a, this, like, you know, woman that like breaks into the, our hotel or or Puzo's place and it's just all this place is disgusting and then, and then you steal the script and leave and we're like what the fuck like who is this who is this crazy lady just busted here and then over the like you start there that's our introduction that's my introduction to you I love that such a hysterical like awesome scene yeah and then I, I love every single one of our scenes also, because I've noticed too, there are moments where you'll sort of notice me. No, the, I go from and exactly, and and now. Yeah, well, it's 
over the course of the of this of the ten episodes, I go from, and I and I, and you see, you know, Francis doesn't really compliment people, but if you're contributing and you're you're a genius, he's gonna fucking let you know. And so over the course of it, he goes from really like just being like, who is this crazy girl, to, oh shit, she actually has some great ideas, to. Wait a minute. Let, what does Betty think? <laughs> you know, to Device. wait. I need Betty in the room to fucking watch with Ruddy. Mm-hmm. You know, to oh my god, like I couldn't have done this without you stealing that script on the first day. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's so mm, it's lovely. Yeah, I agree. I really agree with that. I mean, that's what's so beautiful about the fact that we want to do this is like a limited series too because you get that time to see all these relationships really develop and I yeah it feels so it feels a long time ago now that we were shooting all that early stuff where the script was coming together and the script was the the main kind of issue of that it was too long or it wasn't finished that no one could see it yet to now actually we need to just make sure that we get fucking marketing right and you're gonna do something (laughs) else fucking crazy that's going to potentially bankrupt studio, but instead it kind of fucking works, you know? And I think it's, yeah, the stages that we've gone through with this have been really, it's been, I've, I've really learned a lot. And I think that even with all of us as humans getting to know each other and the comfortability and the, that kind of, I think, plays out as well in what we've done, you know? And I think that that's going to really enhance it all as well because there's going to be this inevitable kind of love affair that happened between all of us you know in the making of this that betrays what it is i'm sure to i've never as of yet written something to pause they're coming for us motorcycle coming i was like all right Riding good dirty. time everybody uh that was hardcore okay facts recording yeah yeah no i think that i think that the time that we've gotten with this has been also really important to telling the story because also it spans over what three years four years yeah mm-hmm. yeah before before the making and then after the oscars mm-hmm. and then going there's everyone kind of going their separate ways that was interesting to learn too. Yeah, I love I love working with Dexter. I hope I can Dexter Butcher. I want to work with him again. Me too. Forever. Was that the first time you working with him? Yeah. Oh wow. As a director, I did a movie with him. Oh, as an actor. Yes. He's great. What was he? What? Which one? Three Musketeers. Oh. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> see that. Okay. But. His energy really set a tone, didn't it? His energy. Okay, so you you think about. He's always like, oh, what's an actor's director? It's like, he's an actor's director. You know, he's. 
He's he he was an actor. He's been an actor since the beginning of time, and uh, and now he's a fucking great director. And his it's like he lives and breathes entertainment. The way we started, all in that room, Theatrical. in a circle, I think to this day is one of the most profound <coughs> days I've had in my entire life, let alone career. Yeah. Like everyone speaking out their character history. Yeah. Some that we knew, some that we didn't, yeah. was really moving. And also, again, got rid of any ego. There couldn't be any ego in that room. It was all about the work. The work. And he gets on set and he's he just creates a great vibe where he's Excited. he's entertaining the extras and the crew and getting everybody amped and giving you great to but a great coach like i never had any negative direction from the guy and also sometimes what i loved is when the scenes were when it was your close-up you wouldn't even be at the monitor he'd actually be watching you quite close did you ever experience that yeah. and i loved that because he was lit he was right there yeah right there huh. yeah i remember watching him in uh he was in snatch mm-hmm. right? and, and he's got this amazing a couple amazing close-ups in it where i'm just like Yep, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, I like that story where everyone is mutiny on the bounty. He's like the, the youngest guy, like a little kid on the boat. And everyone's like, "Fuck, Anthony Hopkins is coming." Oh God, what's that going to be like? Uh, oh God, oh God. And Anthony walks up, and it's just all, "Oh hey, Dexy, how you doing?" Because <laughs> 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 they had worked on something before, <laughs> and he was like his best buddy. Like immediately, everyone on the crew was just like, "Holy shit, wow, Dexter is the man." You know what? Apparently there was a video of Jason Sudeikis talking to Anthony Hopkins where he says he wants to be Keeley's boyfriend. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> what? He just shows up on Dead Lasso. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. No, I think it was a, I think it was like a, a, like a, I don't know, talk show thing. But I was like, what? <gasps> I love how everyone falls in love with, well, with Keeley, but also with fucking Betty on the offer. Like, I don't want to give it away, but everyone just, like, gets infatuated with you as soon as they but see But also, you. what I like about her is that she, is, she isn't, she is like, the the fuck toy. You know, she's no, not in it no, at no. all to be the, no, like, hot no, no, no. babe, the da-da-da-da-da. She's, like... But I love how everyone's just like, who is that lady? <laughs> it's amazing. You auditioned for, for Luna Lovegood. Mm. Yes, a long time ago. I love that. Yep. And... Did you get close or was it just like... It got to a conversation about a screen test. And then I was like, actually, weirdly, what kind of panicked me about that was the idea of entering a world where people had been such a family for such a long time Mm. in something that was so iconic. I was kind of like, I don't know about that. I was kind of freaked out by that. To be honest with you, I'm a little freaked out at the idea of any kind of major fame. I think think it's... You've done some... Like big stuff. Yeah, but Dark up until night. Ted Lasso came out, I would yeah, people would stop oh, me in a grocery store and be yeah. like, Hey, did we go to school together? Like, no, and then they'd suddenly realize, like, fuck, Let's I've seen your tits there. in a movie, I don't know where to look now. <laughs> it was like this panic moment. Um <laughs> literally whilst they're grabbing their kind of like oat oat milk or whatever, and you're like, sorry. Uh, <laughs> probably many a time. Um, <laughs> but I, I've actually been hiding them recently, so that's well well done, Juno. But I actually have to wear so many um, 
padding for kiwi. So I have to wear two sets of chicken fillet. Ew! Yep, one well, in no, each No, 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 you mean like silicone. Like. Yeah, the fake, sorry, we okay, call them good. chicken fillets because yeah, no, no, that's no. what they look like. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah. of them and a padded bra. So at the end of the day, like undressing as Keely, it's like, boom, 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 boom. It's so sad. <laughs> Not sexy. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. The idea of, uh, of, of being someone that you kind of can't, be invisible when you want to be invisible anymore. But then I always remember this great story about Marilyn Monroe, who I'm a huge Marilyn fan and have been ever since I was like a really young girl. Really? Yeah, my childhood, her, my bedroom has got a lot of pictures of Marilyn. Marilyn. Lots of Marilyn, yeah. Um, and a huge Lolita poster, which says a lot. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, and what, because you saw... Kubrick's? Or yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Kubrick. I, yeah, I grew up watching that with my dad, too. Peter Peter Sellers. Mm -hmm. and I, I saw that recently. Sorry, I keep going. The, the, oh, Lolita? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so brilliant. But I got, and my dad gave me an original Lolita poster. It's huge, too. It's so brilliant. One day I'll sh ship it out here. But um, I think Marilyn's ability to be smart, funny, yet so vulnerable is something that was embedded in me from a very young age. Yeah. I really found her, yeah, she was a big, I, I was a, have always been a really big fan of hers. Got well, she list. lights up a room. You could, you could light up a room, too. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> but where were they going? Why were they saying, uh, uh, oh, yeah, because there's this great story of she was in, right in the height of her fame, like when she was, you know, the fucking biggest movie star on the planet. And walking down Madison Avenue with a photographer friend of hers, no one recognized her. And he was like, what the fuck is going on? And she was like, oh, you want to see what happens when I turn it on? And he was like, okay. And so she, boom. Within seconds, surrounded by hundreds of people. Marilyn, Marilyn, Marilyn! So I do think there's this brilliant idea, too, of an she actor. Turns the light on. You get to be invisible. You get, you know when to fill up space and you know when to leave enough space for people, you know? Right. I think that's a really important quality to have as a human, but definitely as an actor. I love that. This is this wild. All right. Now I have an idea of what to kind of rap gift to get you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I kind of did this backwards, but I usually start with this, and I, I'd love to wrap up with this. Mm. Well, first of all, let me know what's next. You have besides Ted Lasso 3, what, you know, anything, anything else you want to talk about? Or? Ted Lasso 3, and then, I mean, there are a couple of things floating about that, our potentials, but nothing official, official yet because Ted Lasso 3 takes me out of doing anything else up until kind of end of July. But I want your voice in Moon Lake, my animated. And that, that's going to happen, isn't it? It's I happening. hope so. Good. Okay. Because I told my agents about that too. Yeah. And we're both at UTA. Yes, we are. Yeah. So they were like, oh, yes, we're going to make that happen. And I was like, we good. Yeah, I want to do that for sure. But that doesn't matter where I am in the world, right? And also, we're both going to be in the UK. Yeah. Which is great. Are you shooting Fantastic? These three? Is that what's happening over there? Oh, no. Yes. No? Uh, I shot Fantastic Beasts 3 already. It comes out in April. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, the offer and Fantastic Beasts 3 are coming out at the same fucking time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be busy so I'll be doing minute. press yeah which is cool also how great to be talking about two such different things yeah like I just think that's cool and I was going to say if you wanted me 
to put the good word in for you for like a professor or something now, like let me know. I mean, bring it on. <laughs> would, are you kidding? I would work with you any day, even if it was just for well, you know, I'm, five I, seconds. I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> Fantastic Beasts 4, 5, if they make those, there's plenty of room for you in there somewhere. That at some, would be some so point. fun. Right? I'd love that. I'd and love even, and those that. would be like, I assume it's leading up to a massive war. So those would be the coolest ones. And how many are you signed on to? How many? All of them. And how many is that? Five. It is five. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Anyway, so um, that's exciting. Anyway, yeah, I would fucking love to work with you on everything I do. Well, we're going to, I want to do something that you direct too. <laughs> well, yeah, we can make that happen. Yeah. I um, Okay, you want to know what your name means? Can I tell you what I think it means? Yeah. Well, I know that she is the goddess of children and light, and that she was married to Jupiter, and they are the Roman versions of Hera and Zeus. And uh, there's also a rock in the Grand Canyon called Juno Temple, which is actually what I'm named after, because my parents were shooting a music video there, and my mom was pregnant with me. And the sun was setting and they were standing on the rock and there were all these different rocks that jut out called something temple. And it was on Juno Temple. They were like, wow, it's called Juno. And then, also what's great is it doesn't matter if I become the biggest movie star on the planet. If you type in Juno Temple, the rock always comes up first. <laughs> because that's a piece of ancient history, which is, I love that. But when my mom gave birth to me, it was in London at Queen Charlotte's Hospital. And... She looked up at the nurse and they all had these little brooches that said Juno. My mom was like, oh my God, what? What is happening? Huh. And that's when she got told that Juno is the goddess of children and light. So we all have our little Juno brooches. Is Amazing. that what you were you going to tell me now? Yeah, I mean, have more info? I have, you know, the generic version of that. But I was actually going to go a step further. Mm-hmm. Because so what I got here, Juno from the Latin meaning youth. Juno was an ancient Roman goddess. She was the queen of the gods. Her role was to protect the state. And she also looked after the the women of Rome and the children. And so Juno means youth, okay? I didn't know that. Yeah. Juno meaning youth from the Latin. So your first name is youth. Your second name is temple, which translates to sanctuary. Your name is youth sanctuary. That's your like 40X poetry podcast name I'm giving you. Dude, I dig that so much. I write a bunch of like human poetry. That should be my pseudonym. Youth Sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is fucking profound. You just blow my mind. <laughs> nice. That's how we like it. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. What does that mean to you? I mean, maybe that explains why I'm so scared of growing up. <laughs> I like the idea of being a sanctuary for people. I find that people are very yeah. honest with me. I find that I, yeah, I love that. I treasure that so deeply. And I, I, I always keep things close. I keep things, protect people's thoughts and feelings and stories and deeply because I think it's such a, I don't know, privilege to share that shit. Whether it's something private or something loud, you know? I'm so fascinated by humanity. We're such like weird parasites, you know? 
for all of us just trying to survive and then like fuck and then eat and then make more parasites and <laughs> make sure they don't die but also teach them how to use a fork and tell them that that's a tadpole and that's a toe you know it's like so surreal that we're human sorry <laughs> yeah, this, you know this was the easiest interview in ever really yeah i think you should do podcasts all the time <laughs> <laughs> Like you should have your own podcast. Like I, like I said before, with like music and everything. All right, well, I, I mean, we could just keep on talking for hours, but it's the Dan Fogel Forty Experience podcast. This was Juno Temple, an absolute fucking pleasure just to know you and and. I feel the same. Oh, you're and delight. you popped my podcast cherry. I did it. Yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one. Yeah, it was a really good one. I Thank think you. They're gonna dig it. Thanks, everybody.